Welcome to Lead Pods, the official leadership podcast from USMB for pastors and church leaders, where our goal is to increase our impact together. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the USMB Lead Pods. Uh, my name is Matt Ayersman. I am excited and grateful to be your host on this wonderful new little podcast that we're doing together and grateful for uh, your time with us today. Uh, once again, we have a really fun episode today. I'm excited to introduce you to Aaron Hernandez. Now, I kind of feel like I have to say, if you're a football fan, it's obviously not that Aaron Hernandez. If you don't know Aaron, he's a great guy leading a, a really cool, growing church in Texas, um, right on the border with Mexico. And we had um, some really interesting conversation that I think you'll enjoy today. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, just what it's like to be right there on the border and how it, the immigration situation has affected his church. Really interesting to hear from someone who's directly right there um, dealing with this day to day and talked a little bit about how the coronavirus is affecting his church. And then I also wanted to talk to Aaron. I mentioned this briefly last episode, but, you know, we're still in this time in our American history where um, race and justice and those things are still on the forefront of most of our, most of our minds. I know the, the George Floyd situation seems like forever ago, but it was only a few weeks and um Obviously, the the, sto- the story of black people in America is different from the story of Hispanic people in America, but um, since it was still on top of the mind, top of our minds for for me and for Aaron, uh, we got into a little bit about how racism has affected him personally and his church as well and his community. So, um, even though it's totally different, we're not trying to say it's exactly the same. That's not our intention. But since we're thinking about race anyway, um, we actually bumped this episode up a couple weeks so that we could get this out and you could hear from Aaron because I think he's got some um, helpful wisdom for uh, white church leaders uh, in the church today. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Aaron and felt like I learned a lot and I think you will as well. So we'll take a quick break and get right to Aaron Hernandez. Today's lead podcast is sponsored by Mennonite Central Committee. Refugees, migrants, and prisoners around the world are especially affected by COVID-19. In the U.S., people of color bear the disproportionate brunt of the pandemic. Jesus calls us to pray, give, and speak boldly for justice. Responding to this call, MCC invites churches and individuals to join us in faithful action. With your prayers and support, we care for neighbors near and far. Learn more at mcc.org. All right. Well, hey, I'm excited for today's conversation. Right now, I'm joined by Aaron Hernandez, and we were just chatting a little bit here, and I'm excited for uh, myself to get to know him a little bit better and for those of you listening to get to know him as well. Um, So, Aaron, thanks so much for your time today. Grateful for your time. It's an honor and it's a pleasure to be able to speak to you today and, of course, be able to uh, have this uh, lane of communication with our USMB family. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Aaron, I think um, some people probably know you, but a lot probably don't. So tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. You just told me you've got a whole bunch of kids at home and I know you've got a growing church. So tell us about you and your family and your church. Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm married to my beautiful wife, Alejandra, uh, for 20 years now. And in those 20 years, God has blessed us with five kids, five children. Um, This year is a big challenging year. We have uh, two in high school, one in middle school. Uh, one in, in first grade and one coming into school barely. So um, um, that, that's going to cover all of them, right? So um, <laughs> it, it's it's a joy. It's a challenge all the time. But family is what we love. And, and we really, really enjoy how God is using our family, uh, not just amongst us, but be able to serve within the church, which my, my most of our kids are already serving within the church. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so myself, my background a little bit, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Um, that was also challenging. That was a joy as, as well. Being a pastor's kid in Mexico, actually, uh, we, my father was a pastor for many years at a church where I grew up in, I served, I learned a lot. And this church was in right across the border from where I grew up in. I lived in McAllen and the next border town there in New Mexico was Reynosa. So that's where we did life is crossing the bridge every day, coming back every day, two, three times a week because uh, Hispanics like gathering for many services a week. And, and so we did that often, right? So it was wonderful. It was, it was good, but it was challenging at times. But even in those difficulties, now that I'm a pastor, I was able to learn a lot from growing up with my dad and my parents and, and hopefully doing it better, a little bit better this time around uh, now with my family. Mm -hmm. And I was looking up some information about your church before we started. And when you say you're on the border, you are literally on the border. <laughs> so how, how far is how far away from your church is the actual border to Mexico? Well, living right now with my family and where my, our home church is at in La Gruya, Texas. And uh, south of us is about a mile and a half. And the river is right there. Okay. Uh, so south of us, there's not a lot of city, not a lot of roads. There's dirt roads to get to the river, uh, the Rio Grande River. So that uh, Rio Grande River that runs through our area, our communities, um, our community is called the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, South Texas. So, um, yeah, we're right there. We're not far. Our life is uh, on both sides of the border, uh, which mm -hmm. is very unique to us because we are that close. And we still all mainly have family across the border. So it, it's, that's, that's part of our life, right? It, it hasn't gone away. We just didn't come to the United States and didn't go back. We travel Maybe, well, before it might have been a little bit more. Now, maybe once a month or once every two months to see family or anything. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique thing that we have by living right across the board. Mm -hmm. And we were talking before, I know um, COVID has affected your church just like it did everyone else's. And you were telling me you, you have a second campus, but things have kind of changed. You want to tell us a little bit about your, your two church campuses? Yes, so we have our main campus, right, in La Duria, and then we have a, a campus that we started about nine years ago, eight, nine years ago. And, uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't, we've had up to 45 to 50 members that have been faithful throughout uh, the history of that campus. Uh, but during the last year, of course, uh, a lot of work, and just I was still the principal, primary guy going and coming. So we kind of put a hold, and COVID came in. So we still have a, a following from, from those members. Uh, online and 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 are, are very faithful at times even with their offerings still so we're praying uh to see what uh, what's our next step with our uh, McAllen campus uh, that's where it's situated at uh there's still been a lot of uh, desire from that group of, of members to want to start back up again and we hope by the things that we've learned uh, we can have a better strategy when we uh, kick that off uh, once again soon hopefully uh, so our Gruya campus right now is, is, is kind of the main campus right now, the only campus. Mm -hmm. And yes, we were opening up back up hopefully by the end of June. And then within the, the year, hopefully the McCallum campus will also be able to start back up again. But, you know, it, it's a campus that started with uh, the encouragement of uh, Don Morris during that time while he was the church planting uh, agency and he was heading that up and mm -hmm. he nudged us a bit, encouraged us and, and God has been faithful. You know, it's had some up and downs, uh, but you know, that's the way church is, right? Church cannot be without ups and downs. Mm -hmm. uh, so we ask that you guys just be, be in prayer about what's our next step with our McAllen campus and when we get that open up, we'll definitely be able to 
uh, share that wonderful news again uh, with our family. Cool. That's great. And I know along with all those duties, it's not, you know, five kids and two churches, if that wasn't enough, I know you're also really involved with the, what we call LAM, uh, the Latin America MB churches. So you're the district minister for that. Is that right? Yes. I'm the volunteer district minister. So a few years back, they wanted to be able to give us just, I guess, a stronger voice uh, within our U.S. uh, MB family. So they gave me that honor, that privilege to be able to serve as a district minister from our, our LAM district. And, you know, we have nine churches, and and it's a beautiful thing. Those nine churches have been growing, prospering. As a matter of fact, I would say about 75% of our churches right now are in the process of remodeling or enlarging to a new facility. Uh, So that's that's good signs of life within our district. Yeah. Uh, so we are, are grateful for that because um, it's moving forward. It's being able to see the needs of our community. So I have involvement with our, our churches, uh, along with a wonderful group of people, our leadership here in, in the Lamb District, uh, to be able to help resource our churches. And, uh, of course, of course my, uh, one of my duties specifically is to be able to be a connection within our U.S. and family district. So... Uh, I really am grateful for uh, USMB just having that continued desire to to uh, uh, know want to know what's going on within our district and also what what are we thinking right how can we plug into the overall USMB family? Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the main reasons I'm excited for this conversation. Is I feel uh, your church is probably different from the the churches that a lot of us attend and you probably lead it differently and your congregation might look a little bit different. So we have a lot to learn from you and I'm excited to hear more here as we dive in a little bit more. So before we started, you you told me that your, your community is, I think you said 95% Hispanic, very large Hispanic community. So why don't you tell us what are, what are just some unique challenges as you're leading Hispanic community, maybe compared to what some of the other churches might look like? Well, yeah, you see, um, our, our community, when we think about Hispanics, right, or any, I guess, any other race within our, our country, uh, we kind of just kind of think linear, right, and everybody just falls into that pocket, right? Right. Uh, but there are different pockets, right, of Hispanics and immigrants that are coming from different countries in our day. Uh, we live right along the border, so like I said earlier, our life is on both sides of the border. So we have about 90 to 95% of our community is mainly Hispanic. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently, we've had, uh, because of uh, a growing jobs in our community, within the medical field, within uh, the Border Patrol and those agencies, uh, a lot of people are coming from up north and different parts of the country to be a part of uh, these jobs and seeking a better life or a better way of living. And so, yeah, we're, we're beginning to have uh, more of a mixture amongst us, but still predominantly uh, Hispanic, very bilingual. We have the first generation grandparents that are very close to their heart of always have to speak Spanish. And, and that's the way it is. We have the second generation that is, um, uh, we're still Hispanic, but we're Hispanic Americans now and, and, and have bilingual language. And then we have our third and fourth generation uh, Hispanics, our children that they might not even know Spanish sometimes, right? But they want to be that Hispanic American that doesn't speak much Spanish, right? So we have that mixture amongst us. And I know it might be different maybe from some of our Hispanic churches that are up north because they get uh, sometimes first generation Latin Americans that are that just arrived from whatever part of Latin America and no English, trying to do life and get a job and, and trying to get their kids into school. So 
there are other groups and other pockets of Hispanics that, that struggle more than what we are struggling here in, in right. South Texas. Um, so that's a reality that, that we are fully aware of. And, and we never want to say, well, these Hispanics are like those Hispanics. And right. it, it, it's much different because, uh, like I said, we live right on, along the border. And some people that come through our border but don't stay, they're traveling up north. They walk into communities where it's not maybe even 10, 20%. Hispanic at all, and, and and they have to deal with those struggles in their communities. Yeah, and speaking of the bilingual thing, man, I I watched um, I don't know five ten minutes of one of your recent church services this morning. Oh, okay, my goodness, Aaron, you are smart because <laughs> oh, no. if, if people haven't watched your service, you it was amazing to me because you would speak maybe a sentence or maybe even a handful of words in English, and then you would translate for yourself into Spanish. You're constantly every sentence or so going back and forth and. By the time I finish this sentence, I'm not going to remember what I just said. <laughs> but you were, I was very impressed. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've just done it so long, it's probably second nature to you. But that's something that a lot of us don't have to think about is you're translating for yourself while you're preaching. And I was just very impressed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, most of us here in my uh, area, because we have family that is older family that is just primarily Spanish. And then you have your job and your school that is English. You're back and forth all the time, right? A lot of people have, have asked me, right, if maybe that are not from our community, and they'll say, well, how do you do that? Well, you learn it, right? It's just part of you. It's part of your growing up. But also, it's I don't think about it when, I, when, I, when I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just God gives me the gift to be able to translate in that way because, honestly, there are times where I'll look even back to one of my messages to kind of go see where I need to fix or something, and I'm like, how did, I, how did I even know to say that in, in between <laughs> the translation? Because I, I'll make my messages I'll, are in English. All my messages, I'll write them out in English. And I'm, I'm not practicing to, to, to translate them until I do my message. And, and, and God just blesses me with that gift. But most of us here in the community, we were able to go back and forth and, and translate it that way. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that our, our church needed. And our church enjoys because of the different generations that, that we have within our church. Uh, so um, as long as the church says that it's so good, then we're going to continue to do a bilingual in that way. Well, I was very impressed. And that's something I would not be able to do. So you're very gifted in that regard. That somebody actually told me, you know how you could uh, up this one up one? And, and they said, try learning sign language. And once you learn sign language, oh my goodness. So my daughter is trying to teach me maybe a little bit of sign language and working on that together, maybe for some situation where it's needed, because we did have that situation a few years back where we had somebody that uh, wasn't able to hear. Mm-hmm. And in my heart, I was like, oh, man, we only had somebody that had that gift, right? Um, but I don't have to do it all. I wish somebody else could <laughs> be able to do <laughs> that as well. Well, still, it's very impressive. <laughs> So I want to go back to something you just said, and I think it's an important thing for us to talk about. You said that, you know, not not all Hispanics are the same, right? Obviously, people coming to your church probably came, I'm guessing you have people from all kinds of different communities. And, and of course, not all Hispanics are the same, that every person, every person is different. So is that, I'm, I'm curious, what, I'm, I'm assuming that's a misconception that maybe you uh, feel like maybe the rest of USMB or the, the rest of the US maybe has this false perception. So I guess, first of all, is that true? And what are some other things that you hear on a regular basis from white Christian leaders that 
is just not true of, of your of your community. Well, that well, that would pro- probably be the primary one, right? That that we're all the same, right? That, mm-hmm. uh, or that we all come from Mexico, right? Uh, and right now, uh, there are I guess the majority might be that have been here for a while have come from Mexican origin, but you have El, El, El Salvador, Honduras. Uh, you have all these uh, southern uh, countries uh, that honestly right now, because of the situation they're living, they're coming and we might have the same language. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, we have different cultures at times, different uh, upbringings, different types of, of things that um, we grew up used to. Uh, most of us would have a bent towards a Pentecostal bent at times because that's primary within the Latin culture of but, you know, there's a desire to be able to, uh, especially with the, the USMB family, to learn a God's word and be able to grow in that area, right? Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. because we have that bent or that training, a lot of us, I grew up in a Pentecostal church myself. You come in and, and there might be some differences, but along the way, uh, you're learning and you're growing and God is speaking to your heart. And I think many of us that are coming from uh, Latin American countries, have that desire right uh there's still this distinctive about us right we love we love music we love to move we love uh, uh just maybe the music a little bit louder a little bit more interactive right but and that's that's something that i'm thinking for for the different latin american countries that we're all coming from even the styles of music are different and so many things so you know i, I would say to our usmb family when they see hispanics when they see latin americans we're all very relational, uh, but we all have a different story also. Uh, mm-hmm. Something about us that is, is a plus, uh, an added of where we grew up in. And, and hopefully USMB, as, as they have, engaged uh, Hispanics and Latin Americans to be able to offer those gifts, right? To be able to uh, put those gifts to service within our USMB family. Absolutely. And just a, kind of a peek behind the curtain for people listening. We're recording this. What early June, mid early June, and um, this week, the George Floyd stuff is still at the top of the news, and ra- everyone's thinking about racism right now. And right now, the top the topic of conversation this week is kind of whites and blacks. But I know that Hispanic racism is still very much a thing that our country needs to improve on. And so, again, you and I are speaking earlier that you luck. It's good news that you don't necessarily see a ton of racism in your community. But I know that you have faced that in other times of your life. Do you want to talk tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's very unfortunate. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think uh, that these things really put a light on, on the things that we need to pray for our country, right? Uh, I think in our community, uh, we're very comfortable, really, because we're primarily Hispanic and, and most of us uh, are, are comfortable with each other in that way. Mm-hmm. That we don't see a lot of racism or we don't see none of this. Uh, I have experienced it, uh, like I mentioned earlier, as I traveled out into the country in two occasions, but you know, it's nothing major, but it, you did feel the slightness of somebody um, not, not recognizing you as a person. And, mm-hmm. and I could just imagine just um, how many in our black communities uh, have felt this for for many years, and I would say Hispanics also have have experienced that as a whole uh, throughout the history of our nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I was talking to my one of my daughters because uh, they were showing the movie Selma on on TV, and I was watching that, and she says, "It is that was it was it really like that here in the United States?" 
And I said it was worse than that. I mean, the reality of this is there, the movie, of course, depicts it in a certain light. But the truth of it, it was it's very harmful, right? And mm-hmm. Hispanics for years have been the, the people working out in the fields, the people picking up the crops. And, and, and that's the labor that, that for many, many generations Hispanics have done in our, our uh, country. And, you know, uh, some of those things from the beginning is it, you, you hear the stories of the suffering they had to go through, uh, the lack of resources that they had to have to deal with, at times uh, being fumigated on uh, while they were still picking up crops. Uh, you know, those stories, that's part of our culture. That's part of our history. As Christians, we're called to forgive and we're called to look at this in light of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how we can better our life and our situation for our children. But, you know, those things with people that haven't found forgiveness in Christ, mm-hmm. they carry that, right? They carry that throughout generation to generation. And uh, we see it now by many Hispanics maybe uh, joining with their black brothers and sisters and saying, hey, we're part of this too. We want to march also. We want to protest as well. Uh, of course, the violence that, that has come out, we, uh, we're, we're not for that. It, it's unfortunate, right, that many people have to lose their businesses and and a lot of what they worked for for many years. But, you know, uh, uh, protesting, being able to speak your voice and be able to say, hey, we're tired, we, we want change. Well, we're all for that, right? And I think uh, Hispanic culture uh, in our history has experienced some of this in many occasions. And we've had voices throughout our, our, our history that have spoken up during times uh, uh, in the earlier part of the last century, people driven out from Denver, from California, Hundreds, hundreds of people, right? Because uh, of threats, because of so many threats that were uh, being made towards families and their jobs and so many situations. So, you know, it's reality, right? We're in it now. We have to face it. We cannot hide from it anymore. But, you know, I would tell our USMB family, Mm -hmm. when Jesus spoke about who our neighbor is, right? And, And wonderful story about the Good Samaritan in the book of Luke. And he tells us basically, you know what? Don't turn your eyes away. Right. Uh, if you're seeing it, walk over and and be part of the solution for healing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's the first step. And I think our USMB family, um, sure, there's growth and there's much growth that, that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But I feel that our leadership and our USMB family is taking great steps to want to understand, to want to learn, to want to say, you know what, we want to help in this change. What can we do? Uh, so, you know, for me to be able to speak to our leadership and, and our leaders that are part of our USMB family right now, it just brings me joy and peace to know that I'm, I'm part of a, a, an organization of faith uh, that wants to do something about this and, and be able to be a light uh, for the future of this, not just because of what's going on right now, but be part of the change that, that hopefully we'll experience uh, for many gener- generations to come. Yeah. That's so, so important. And you maybe, you maybe just answered this, but I want to give you a chance to go a little bit deeper if you want to. Uh, again, you and I are speaking briefly beforehand that some, I've heard some people say that maybe 10 or 15, maybe 20 years, maybe, maybe uh, less than that, maybe two or three years, sometime there's going to be a, a wave of regret from white leaders, they're saying of how we've treated Hispanic people in our, in our nation's history. Like right now we're kind of going through the African-American phase and like, thank goodness, like we need to address black racism, of course. But 
right now, no one's really talking about Hispanic racism and some, some experts are saying that's going to be the next wave. And so I just want to give you a chance to address that even further. Like what else for white leaders in the church, what else do we need to know and how else can we help your community? Well, one of the things about Hispanics and Latin Americans in general is that they're, they are hard workers. They don't want to live off of anybody. They want to earn their, their wage. They want to, they, they're gifted, they have talents, they have resources to be able to say, this is what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I've heard many times throughout the last few years, right, if, you know, if uh, Hispanics or immigrants one day choose to not show up to work uh, in the United States, uh, then that's going to leave a lot of tables without food. It's going to leave a lot of industries trying to find new employees because they're doing a lot of labor and a lot of work that other people don't want to do. But these immigrants and Hispanics have said, you know what, we want those jobs, we'll do those jobs, we have uh, the ability to do those jobs. So looking forward 20 years down the road, because of the situation that many Latin American countries are facing right now, this immigration is not going to stop. People are going to continue to come to the United States. So I would say, yes, uh, on whatever side of the uh, aisle you fall in right or left. This is reality, right? This is something that we are we can get mad about and say, well, there's legal ways to do this or there's not. But once we understand the story of where these people are coming from, no medicine, no food, uh, no security, no safety for their family. I mean, what would you do? Right. Uh, you you'd go to that next country, right? You. You say, how can I better my family? So most of these families, I would say the majority, that's their desire. That's what they want. And I think if we open our eyes to that sooner than later, it'll be able to bless not only our churches, but America in general to be able to tap into this talent and these resources and these gifts that our Hispanic and Latin brothers uh, bring uh, to the table. Absolutely. And I imagine, you know, a lot of people listening, you know, probably have never been to the border. They've maybe never been to Mexico. And they, so their, I mean, my, my perspective is different from you. Earlier, you said you, you go back and forth kind of all the time, and that's part of your life. And I'm sure most people in your church and in your community, like you said, they've got family and they hop back and forth. So I imagine when you're that close to the border, that close to the people who are having to face these things, your perspective is so much different from mine or someone who lives even further north than I do. So is there anything else about that that you think maybe we just don't fully understand since we don't see it every day? Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're not only there's a there's a, a side of this that uh, many times we, we don't hear of. Right. And this is the drug cartels, the people that are responsible many times for bringing these people. Over. In other words, you cannot cross the river or or cross in any certain way without one of the drug cartels knowing about it. Mm. So many of these people, they leave their home with this desire to better their family. But on the way over here, they face a lot of abuse. Mm-hmm. They face a lot of difficult situations. Uh, many of them die on the journey. Many of them come, they came with their whole family, but only two of them made it because either some of their uh, family got kidnapped and they're gone. And I really appreciate in our community, we have a strong board patrol agency and we have relationship with some within our church that are border patrol agents, right? So mm-hmm. we appreciate the, the work that they do to be able to help people that are in danger, people that are, are suffering when they're crossing and stuff, right? So their job or desire is not 
we just want to send you back. Their desire, their purpose is to be able to help uh, people that are, are, are being abused and mistreated. Uh, so, you know, we, we live in a community where you have a helicopters going through our area every once in a while. Uh, you have border patrol trucks all over the place. That's just the way it is. Uh, but, you know, we don't see it in the light of, oh, they're the enemy. Uh, no, we see it as they're doing a job uh, of rescue and they're doing the job of being able to help these people maybe gain access uh, to citizenship or some type of, of level of legal authority to be here. But mm-hmm. at the same time, many of them are, are border patrol agents in our community, which are Christ followers. They have faith. They're not the enemy. They're, they're part of trying to be the solution for this. So I would say uh, for our whole family, many times we kind of want to divide both of them. We want to put some border patrols on one side and then immigrants on one side. But in our community, uh, we see them as, as part of the solution, right? Being able to bring access or, or doing their job uh, to provide these resources for people that are struggling to get here and have gotten here with so much difficulty. And for them, I, I've heard many stories of some of our immigrants that have crossed and the moment they see the Border Patrol, it's like, we need help, help us because it's just been so hard. In our church, three about four, four years ago, uh, it was a Saturday night. Since we live right on, on, on the border, right on the edge, we had a group of about 30, 40 people that walked in to our social area. And, and they just said, look, we want to turn ourselves in. We've been walking for days. We don't know where, we're at, where we are. Our children don't have food. So you multiply that by many times throughout the week, right? Or even sometimes throughout the day in different areas of our of our border across the United States. So, you know, there's difficulties, right? And, and as churches, we're there to serve, we're there to help. But I think uh, the USMB family would be able to see that uh, not all Border Patrol agents or agency is, is the enemy because we don't, in our community, we don't see them as that. We see them as people that want to be part of the solution to help our immigrants get to a place of, of safety, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's, yeah, that's great to hear. So again, I'm, your community probably looks a lot different from a lot of ours. So um, I'm curious, how does how does your church how is your church able to meet some of these needs? Like, is evangelism and spreading the gospel? I'd imagine to people who are looking for this new life, they're coming here. The gospel probably sounds, or you, you might need to pre- present it differently than to people who are maybe in a, a church further up north in the country. Is that true? Or how else is your church helping meet some of these needs? Well, with all immigrants coming over, right, especially with the Hispanic culture, Latino culture, uh, we're very relational, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, establishing relationship, being able to meet the needs of people where they're at, providing certain resources. Some of our churches within the Lamb District, of course, uh, deal with these uh, issues as well with people that have not moved on from our community, which is usually the desire of many of them that come mm-hmm. to our border they're looking to go up north uh-huh. but there are some that stay in our in our communities here mm-hmm. and it's an opportunity for our church to be able to meet them in that area of understanding where they've they've left their family they've left everything they've known for for all their life but now there's a church family right that can provide mm-hmm. some of these resources and be able to help them along the path of having a stable home or having a uh, a, a family that they could count on, right? So even personally, I've had family come over because of the difficulties in Mexico 
And you know, it's 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 real. It's 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 nobody's making this up. Uh, it, it's a hard life, and I wish the USMB family would be able to understand that part of the story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that they're not leaving their country because uh, they just want to make another dollar. Mm -hmm. They're leaving their country because it's dead or life uh, right. for many of these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I imagine, so how, I'm sorry, how long have you been a pastor with the USMB family? For coming up on 14 years. Uh, okay. 14 years. So I'm curious, as you've kind of kind of grown in leadership in the USMB world, and you've been around for a while, have there been some times where um, maybe you had an idea that was different from kind of what the normal USMB church planting or even pastoring world was? Or how? what kind of challenges has there been as the Hispanic culture kind of increases in our USMB family? Has there been some of that along the way? Well, you know, there, there, I guess there have been two things, right? Primarily, it's language. I know still today, uh, USMB is making efforts to be able to have a translation for all their uh, the resources that USMB provides, right, mm -hmm. to our churches. There's that. There's a that that is continually growing. Our uh, faith and life brochures and all those things are being trans translated over to Spanish. I think one of the things that we need to work on uh, is is uh, our our main voices, uh, leaders within our USMB, uh, to provide another avenue where where there's translation for those uh, teachings and those types of maybe seminars or are, are things that I've, I've been blessed at times also with Multiply, has some good uh, uh, conferences and good resources available. They're all in English, right? Right. Uh, you know, understanding that there's a, a, a bilingual or language need within our, our USMB family, mm -hmm. it'd be good to make a little bit more of an effort to say, how, how can we translate these resources? So they could just be there, right? Available. Yeah. And ready uh, for our Hispanic churches that still have that big language barrier. Mm -hmm. Another thing that that USMB has working hard on is uh, giving other languages and races a place at the table. Mm -hmm. uh, and not only maybe in previous years it was more come and be with us at a table at mm -hmm. the table. Now it's more uh, we need you at the table. Yes. So that conversation has been transitioning from come and be here with us to we need you here. So that is a huge plus when you're trying to deal with not only Hispanics, but now Congolese and Ethiopian and our diverse uh, USMB family. It's being able to say, hey, you have something that we need and we want to be a part of us, uh, not as a, a, an extra, but a, as a whole, right? So we want you to uh, engage with us at, at the level of, of others as well. So there's yeah. still some growth needed in that area. I, I was uh, saying in another meeting that we've had, the church has been too comfortable for so many years. I'm talking about church in general, mm -hmm. but I think also USMB has been comfortable, right? And it's not USMB's fault. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our, our founders, our, our main churches have primarily been quite churches. Mm -hmm. There's no fault in that, right? At all. Right. But now that, we're transitioning and we're beginning to grow into a diverse USMB family. The efforts that are being made as they continue, I think uh, it, it's helping a lot. And it's, it's really inviting us in, in a way that maybe before we didn't feel that invitation coming. In. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, so I'm curious, how, 
obviously not all of our communities are like yours where it's 95% Hispanic. So what can other churches do? And a lot of churches, it's not their responsibility to translate USMB things necessarily, but what else can we do just on a local church level to better serve our Hispanic brothers and sisters? Well, you know, one of the things, and maybe uh, some of our other areas, right, is resources. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about just financial resource. We have to understand that there is, uh, some financial hardship, especially now because of COVID-19 and closure of churches, that exists. But, you know, there there are some very gifted churches within our USMD family that have wonderful resources as far as different ministries, youth ministry, evangelism ministry, uh, these different types of resources that are already made for their local churches. If there was some way maybe that that we could unite in that area of saying, you know what, that these res- resources are already there, how do we translate these? How do we uh, maybe change them up a little bit to make them more uh, towards the need of the Hispanic or whatever type of community? So I would say that uh, that might be something that we could grow in and how maybe our, our, our Anglo or white churches can begin to say, you know what, we don't just want a ministry that is uh, bilingual within our church or a Hispanic community within our church. We're willing to bless other churches as well because not all churches have uh, a mother uh, Anglo church or have a partner church within our USMB constituency. So uh, that would be a big plus for some of these larger churches that can begin to provide this type of resource uh, for the many churches that are Hispanic in our community. And I love what you said earlier about having a seat at the table too. And that's something that I think a lot of churches probably have some room for improvement is having some diversity in their decision-making boards or volunteers or whatever that looks like. I think that's an important thing we need to improve also. Yeah. And we, you know, the, the, some of us that are already at the table, you know, we we feel welcomed. Uh, we feel that when they ask us a question or they they tell us, how do you see this? Uh, there is honesty and there is humility behind that. And that uh, that just gives us a more of a desire to tell our families back home and our church communities to say, hey, they're, they're real about this. They really want us at the table. They, they have this desire to grow in this area. So I think uh, Don Morris's leadership and, and, and the many that are around him right now are, are going in that direction. And we are, we're grateful for, for that um, desire. Absolutely. And, you know, I was talking with my pastor earlier this week, again, just about all the racism riots and stuff that's happening as we're recording. And I just hope that we can, um, if nothing else, the, I hope the good that comes out of this season is just conversation and right. just a willingness to talk about this stuff. And, a willingness to admit that we've made a lot of mistakes and we need to do better. And the church isn't immune to that. And so I hope there's more and more conversations where we, where we white leaders recognize, like you were talking about that we're, we're one body. We need all of us, different groups bring different gifts. And that's, I just hope there's kind of a more and more of an awakening, awakening of that as part of these conversations. And hopefully we can, you know, a lot of the, the big change that needs to happen in this country, it's, it's going to be one-on-one, right? I don't have a whole lot of change to change our country, but if I change and improve how I have one-on-one conversations and if everyone listening does that, that's how we're going to be able to chip away at this long-term. So I just want to affirm you, Aaron. I'm grateful for your, for your leadership and I, we need more people like you. So thank you for your leadership. And um, we've probably gone over time already, but as we're beginning to wrap up here, 
how else can we be praying for you or your church or what other kind of last words do you have for us that we, that we need to hear or that we can improve on? What else would you like to share with us? Yeah, well, you know, being part of the USMB family, uh, not coming, not growing up in USMB, learned a lot. I've, I've uh, grown in my understanding of our Mennonite brethren faith, our Anabaptist, evangelical uh, distinctives. Uh, but, you know, one of the things about our family is that desire to uh, be a blessing to each other. Uh, I'll tell you this story a few years back. I was at one of our study conferences. And sometimes you know quite a few people, but then, of course, there's many you don't. And and I was at, at, at one of the hotels, and we were getting ready for our meeting, and a gentleman from the, the Central District came up to me, and he goes, uh, are you uh, Aaron? And I said, yes, and, and from this church? And, and I said, yes. And he says, we don't, we don't know each other. He says, but our, our church prays for you and your church every single week at our prayer gathering. Mm-hmm. And that really, it just melted me. It, it was one of those moments when you're like, I'm part of the right family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we might not have the one-on-one conversation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we might not be able to sit down at the table to have these conversations, which I, I, I'm, I know they need to happen. Mm-hmm. But praying for each other, encouraging each other, and just having this desire from God to say, if we become more diverse amongst, and that's what's happening within our USMB family, well, that's a picture of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the more we look like what heaven's going to be like, the better I think we're going to be off as a, as a USMB conference. Uh, so there are some uncomfortable conversations that need to happen. And I would say from my side of, of being a Hispanic, we humbly need to come before our, our brothers as well, because we have been blessed for so many years, so many resources that have started many of our churches uh, from our white uh, Anglo churches and have they've invested and they've given for so many years, not only their resources, but families have come down and started our churches. And so we need to recognize that on our side and be able to say, hey, it hasn't always been bad. And mm-hmm. it, it, there's been so much good that we've been blessed with and benefited from. So it's not just the other side has to come. No, we have to also, Hispanics and Latin Americans have to come with an attitude of humility an attitude of saying, we recognize what you've done. We recognize the work that you've uh, invested in our in our communities, in our churches. And now we want to grow together, right? So um, I'm just grateful for, for the history of our uh, USMB family throughout the generations that many years ago, in our case, almost 75 years ago, they sent, uh, they sent a family from Oklahoma uh, to come and start our, our, our church here under a tree. And they were harassed. They were uh, spoken badly about uh, trying to kick them out of our community. But their faithfulness uh, endured. And now we are here almost 75 days later, uh, 75 years later. And the gospel of God is just is still uh, reaching out into our community. So, you know, it's, it's both sides. Yeah. It's not just one side. And, and we want to, uh, as far as, as, as me personally, I need to recognize that and come to the table with an attitude of saying, okay, how can we go to grow together from this, right? So really appreciate all, all that USMB family has done for our different communities. Well, this is going to sound really cheesy. I don't mean it that way, but the, the little subtitle or the slogan that USMB has been using lately is increasing impacts together, right? And that's, that's what this is all about. Like you, you bring gifts, 
I bring gifts, everyone brings gifts, and we're going to do the best work if we all do our own parts and work together on it. So, exactly. man, Aaron, I, I know you're in a part of the country that's, unfortunately, it's going to be hard for a while. I don't see, you know, the immigration stuff's not going to magically be fixed tomorrow. So I just, man, I, I encourage everybody listening to keep Aaron and his church in your prayers. And our country has a long way to go. So I hope we can keep working on that together, making some improvement. And yeah, your voice is important, Aaron. So thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Although USMB Gathering 2020 was canceled due to the coronavirus, we invite you to join with Mennonite brethren from across the United States as we gather online this summer to be challenged, inspired, encouraged, and empowered for increasing impact. Mark your calendar for July 22nd through the 24th and log on to participate together in worship, dynamic webinars, and business sessions. And watch for lead pods featuring speakers scheduled for Gathering 2020. The podcasts will release July 17th, 24th, and 31st. Visit the USMB website at www.usmb.org for the schedule and registration information. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Aaron as much as I did. I just think he's a great guy doing a really good job with his church in Texas and I know he had just a lot of important reminders for all of us who are uh, white leaders in the church today. So this time that we're in is difficult and race and justice and equality are kind of ratcheted up a little bit, but I'm, just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we're having these conversations and I hope that in the next few years, um, it might take longer than that, but hopefully eventually the tough conversations that we're having today will hopefully lead to better country and better churches um, down the road. So I think this conversation was a good start for a lot of us and we've still got a long ways to go. But um, again, I'm just grateful that our country is in this time that we're in and hopefully we can come out of it a little bit stronger. As you just heard, we have some upcoming podcast episodes from the speakers who are lined up to speak at the convention this year. I actually just spoke a couple days ago with Katie Cole, who is one of the convention speakers. And I think you're really going to like that podcast episode. She had a lot of really um, helpful and insightful things to say about raising female leaders in the church today. I really enjoyed that conversation. That'll be coming your way soon. And uh, I think coming up next, we actually talked to uh, Krista Weens, and she had some really interesting and insightful information about human trafficking. And um, that's another area where we can continue to improve. And she had some really great things to share. So lots of exciting episodes coming down your way soon. So I hope you are subscribed. If you haven't yet, please do that so you don't miss an episode wherever you're listening today, and we will keep these shows coming your way. So thanks again for listening today, wherever you are. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Lead Pods. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to our show wherever you're listening today. Learn more by visiting usmb.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we learn more practical tools to increase our impact together.